This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe whenever you're listening on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My co-host tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King. We got an interview tonight for you with a former nine-year MLB veteran outfielder. Played a lot of center field. He's with the Mets, Expos, Reds, and the final season there with the Red Sox. He's currently uh, coaching high school baseball. He's also a World Series winner in, in 1990 with the Reds. So we, we got former big leaguer Herman Winningham here. Herman, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So we're going to jump into our Q&A. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, Herm. So what was it like for you growing up in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and how did baseball become the main focus of your life as a, as a teen and as a young adult? Growing up here, baseball was real big up here. Um, and um, it, it was just, but I didn't know it really. It was that big until I went to uh, my mom one summer. Uh, I was about six or seven, and she said, y'all got to do something for the summer. And we were going, uh, she said, okay, we're going to go and sign up for swimming. And we went to South Carolina State University, which is right here in this town. And the line was wrapped around the building. And she said, no, we're not going there. And <laughs> we went out to the recreation department, and I started playing baseball. I signed up for baseball. And uh, that's how I really got started. Then, uh, uh, but my mom was an athlete in my, our family. Um, she played half-court basketball back in the day here in South Carolina. So that's how I got started. So you were drafted three times, um, mm -hmm. the, the third time being a first-round pick by the New York Mets. Why was the third time the charm and you finally decided to turn pro? Well, I made a promise to my parents that I would at least finish um, two years the JUCO and – and see where see where I am as as a player. Um, just just in case something doesn't work out with this baseball thing, I still have a little bit of education, and I can continue it. So, uh, and that's what I did. I made a promise to them, and uh, I didn't have to use it. You know, thank you. Um, but uh, that's why uh, the the Phillies were going to be the next team if I didn't sign because I was you know I signed a letter of intent to go to Florida State with Mike Martin. So. Um, but I decided, hey, let me try this thing, <laughs> you know, just pro thing. So, all right, all right. Well, on, on September first, nineteen eighty-four, you made your major league debut with the New York Mets, a doubleheader against the Padres. Uh, you were able to double off of Eric Shaw. Uh, what was that day at Shea Stadium like for you? Well, uh, let me let, let me go back. Um, the night before, when I was called up. We were in Richmond, Virginia, and um, they, you know, so it's an hour and a half away. So, now I said, you know, I get home. It's about twelve thirty or whatever, and I got to pack up. Da -da -da -da. My parents were coming this weekend. That weekend, to see me play in Tidewater, and I said, man. So I had to pack up everything, put it into my vehicle, and uh, get every, you know, just a lot of stuff. And I had a red eye at about, let's say, about five, six o'clock in the morning. And uh, I almost missed my ride with the guys, and I finally got there. So I get to uh, Shea Stadium, and I go to the hotel. I mean, well, I get to the uh, LaGuardia, go to the hotel, and I can't sleep now. I haven't slept really. And uh, I said, man, let me take my – man, I went over to uh, Shea Stadium and ended up trying to figure out how to get into place. And uh, I just told a cab driver, hey, just player's entrance. Went through a door. 
went by a security guard. I said, hey, how you doing? And kept going. I walked around the whole stadium underneath, past two two security guards and came back to the first one. I said, where's the home dug, uh, home uh, clubhouse? Oh, right here. <laughs> you know, so I went all the way around uh, underneath the stadium. So then it was it was awesome. I mean, I you see all the names in the, you know, because your dream, what was your dream? Your dream was to be in the big leagues. Now I'm here. I haven't got on the field, but I'm in the clubhouse. And I'm standing at the door inside, and I'm seeing all the professional names, you know, Foster, just everybody that was on that team, Strawberry and all, all those guys, Gooden. And then all of a sudden I spot Winningham in a push locker, you know, and they just pushed it over there, you know, it's on rollers. And uh, and I saw Winningham. It went from one armpit to the other on, on my back. And um, I hurried up and put that uniform on, you know, and I just sat there. I was the only one in the clubhouse. And then I went out. I said, oh, "Where's how you get to the dugout? You know, the guard. I said, right up those stairs. So I went up the stairs, went down. I'm in the dugout. But the old Shea Stadium, you in the dugout, you can't see because it's a bunker, to tell you the truth. It was so <laughs> far down, you couldn't see, you know. So I got up on the top step, and I said, I'm just going to walk out to uh, center field. And without turning around, I just walked right out to center field. And I got out to center field, and I'm still looking at the wall. And I said a prayer, thanking the Lord that, hey, you, you gave me this option. All I asked for was one day, one game, one time. And you gave it to me. And I turned around, and I I was in awe. Because remember, you're in the minor leagues. You got one level of stands. You know, you don't, you don't, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh I'm looking at Shay. I'm looking at it. You got three tiers going straight up. You know, I'm going, wow. You know, how big it was. And, you know, as a kid, I'm a little country boy. You know, hey, this see nothing that big. You know, and, and I'm going, wow, look at this, man. And then I walk back in, in the clubhouse. And then the guys start coming in. Nobody's saying anything. I'm just sitting there, <laughs> you know. And then after a while, George Foster came and said, hey, Winnie, come here. You know, and. He, he welcomed me, and then everybody else started, you know. And, and what, what size shoe you wear? What, what you, well, you need batting gloves. You need this. You need, so everybody just throwing stuff at me, you know. And um, it was it was very heartwarming um, and, and humbling. Uh, but now the game start, the first game, and it was – I'm at the end of the bench. Now, remember, now, this is where the rosters expand. I got one behind cheek. On the end of the bench, that's, you know, because everybody's sitting on it, you know, and I'm, I got a bat and I'm leaning on it and I'm, I'm about to six in and I'm about to sleep. And Frank Howard's going up and down. He's kind of keeping me awake, to tell you the truth. And then David Johnson, uh, where did he get a bat? You know, I jump up, get a, got my bat, got, you got a helmet. And he said, uh, are you going to hit for the pitcher? So I walked out and, I was, you know, I said, wow, look at this. You know, you know, as a kid, you know, hey, this is what this is what you dream of. You know, this is what you dream about. And they announced my name, my first official at bat. And I put one foot in the batter's box and I stepped back out. I tried to figure out who was pitching now. I, everything was a blur. 
because I didn't even know who was pitching. You know, I man, you know. So if I had anything false, leg, teeth, eyes, leg, arm, it would have fell off. I was shaking so bad. <laughs> I took a deep breath, got in the batter's box, and Goose Gossage was pitching. And he threw me a fastball right down the middle. I swung at it. Oof, strike one. Threw me another one. A little, just a tad bit higher. Strike two. Threw me a back, try to back door slide or nothing. Threw me a high fastball. Strike three. I come on back to the dugout. <laughs> that was my first major league at bat, you know. And then as I, as it went on, the second game comes up. And uh, my first at bat in that game, I hit a ground ball in the second base. I'm the only guy in the in the, in the whole Shea Stadium happy because I struck out my first at bat. I made contact the second at bat, but I was out. I was happy. Third at bat, that's the one I hit a double off the wall. You know, my, my first major league uh, hit. So, so look, looking at the Mets outfield at, at that time when you, you're brought up, we got Mookie Wilson out there, Daryl Strawberry, Billy Bean. Dykstra shows up in 85. I mean, was the outfield just too loaded for you to get, a, like, a real chance to, to get in there and, and, and get your game going? Well, here's the thing. They wanted to keep me in trade Mookie. Hmm. But the Expos, I did so well against them um, doing the, that, that stint that they wanted me instead of Mookie. And they tried, uh, the Mets tried their, you know, their best to, you know, keep me, but they couldn't. I mean, it just didn't happen. So, um, and that's why, uh, you know, I went to the Expos. And uh, I, I, I thought, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I, I know who guides my steps. So, you know, at, you look at back at it, at hindsight, you know, all the trouble that 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 team went through and were going through. Um, it was a blessing, I guess, you know all the you know, problems they were having. Um, but uh, but Straw and, and Dwight and Keith Hernandez, you know, the extracurricular stuff they were doing. So um, I guess, you know, it's a blessing. Yeah, well, I mean, it sort of leads into my next question. I was going to mention, you know, that was a significant trade in the 85, uh, well, the offseason before uh, 85 with Hubie Brooks, Mike, Mike Fitzgerald, uh, Floyd Yalmans and yourself all dealt to the Montreal Expos in exchange for Gary Carter. Right. I, so did the did the uh, the trade surprise you? And and did you enjoy your time up there uh, north of the border? Well, uh, you remember now. I, it's um. I put it this way. How I found out. I'm in. I'm playing in um, Venezuela, Winnable, and on uh, Monday night you don't you don't play on Monday nights. You know so. Um, I'm watching uh, football, Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom of the TV, Blockbuster Trade, four for one. And Gary Carter goes to the Mets for Hubie Brooks, Mike Fitzgerald, Herm Winningham, Floyd Yomas. I'm going, huh? And it comes back again. Maybe I didn't read that right. Yeah. Man, that guy trade. Ain't no, so I so I called um, New York and talked to um oh um oh, what was the general manager um not Frank Cashin um oh man I can't think of his name 
McElveen, Joe Mac, Joe McElveen. And uh, Joe said, yeah, we didn't want to trade you, but we had to do something. We needed to catch her. Okay. So he says, the Expo's going to call you. So as soon as I hung up with him, the Expo's uh, called me. And they said, get on a plane um, tomorrow morning, red eye, and come to Montreal. So I leave 4 o'clock in the morning, 80-degree weather, get to Miami, 90-degree weather, get to Montreal, it's 10 below. <laughs> you know, I, got on short, I got on short sleeves, you know, I'm like, man, y'all better have a coat. And um, and that's how I was uh, introduced to the Expos. And I went on the caravan and all that kind of stuff. So, but I enjoyed it. I mean, um, uh, it was it was a a thrill um, playing playing in in, in Montreal, um, culture wise, um, and also I learned so much with the guys that I played with. I mean, I got I played with Hall of Famers. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, even though we didn't win like we were supposed to, and, and hey, it it is what it is. But um, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Were, were you saddened to see the Expos come to an end? And do you think that Montreal could sustain a baseball team today? Yes, they can. I I, I firmly believe Montreal can support a major league ballpark, but you can't put them in that that white elephant. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, can't, you yeah. can't put them in that. You know, that's why they were so good when they had Jerry Park because they felt like you, they, you know, you were part. It's like playing in Wrigley or, or in Boston. You know, when you had Jerry Park, okay. But mm -hmm. when, when you, you you're so far away from the players, you know, and and, and you know they they didn't want they wanted like Jerry. Everybody came to Jerry Park, you know. But uh, once they put them in there, it was like, man, I ain't going there. You, you, you sitting eight eight rows back, and I'm in the front row. You know, you're so far away. Uh, if they build a stadium, um, that will um, bring in, bring the fans closer to to the players. Where you know, I'm not saying having access to them, but where hey, they can they can relate to them. You know. Um, I, I, they can, I, you know. I honestly believe they they can do it. So, Herm, I, you fast forward a little bit in your career. You're with Cincinnati. Um, in 1989, the Reds finished last in the NL West, and of course, there was the very public Pete Rose scandal. Uh, but 1990 saw the Reds winning the West, then the NLCS over the Pirates, then the World Series over the powerful Oakland A's with a 4-0 sweep. Uh, what was it like in that Reds? Uh, clubhouse that year, and how were you guys able to turn things around so dramatically, so quickly? First of all, it was Pete Rose's team. There were maybe three acquisitions to that team. Mm -hmm. Tim Liana, uh, Hal Morris, and Randy Myers. Okay. Right. Now, the difference between managers, Pete just treated you like a player, like, like, hey, play. Lou would put foot in your behind, <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> he, you know, he just, boom, you know, and if you didn't give it back to him, you know, he, he got, you know, hey, he stayed on you. So that was the difference between the two. And, but one thing Lou did that I enjoyed 
as a, uh, a, a role player, he said, I got eight guys that's going to play every day. The rest of you got to be ready. When it's this, this, and this, that's for my right handers. This, this, and this, this is my left handers. All right. You knew your position. You knew from spring training, you knew exactly what was to be expected of you. So you had to stay. He gave it to you. He gave it a game plan. He gave it to you. And that's why we all, Ulsters, Quinones, myself, Braggs, you know, we knew our role. And there was, hey, no doubt about it. But he let us know from the start, this is what's going to happen. You know, we will give our, our, our eight guys a rest, you know, and you got to be ready. So, you know, when you go to Wrigley, you know, they go play Friday. They go play Saturday. You know they ain't playing Sunday. So, hey, don't go out on Saturday night. Go out on Friday night in Wrigley. But Rush Street bites back, you know, on Sunday morning. You know, hey, you know. So, you knew you was going to play on Sunday, you know. Getaway days, you know, if we already got two games, hey, you know you're going to play on getaway days, you know. So, you already know what was to be expected. And that was the difference um, uh, that made us that team plus the camaraderie. We saw each other. We wanted to be around each other. You know, we would, days off, you know, we, you know, we would be at, hey, I, hey, what are you doing? Man, I ain't doing nothing. I'm coming over. Okay. They say, you know, doorbells ringing, doorbells ringing. Man, and the whole team's over, you know, over the East house or we over to Joe, Joe house or whatever. Um, you know, and on Sundays, we have potluck. You know, the wives leave messages. Hey, we going over to so-and-so's house, uh, and everybody's got the same message, and we go over there, and hey, and we all – and that's just how, how close-knit uh, we were. Um, we laughed. We cried. We fought each other in there, but you guys didn't know it because uh, we didn't let the – you know – uh, you know, let the uh, press know it, you know, what was going on in our clubhouse, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it was because we got on each other, you know, we, we policed each other, you know, um, and it was fun. I mean, it was fun. It was hilarious, you know, the antics that, that we did and, and uh, Lou, Lou, just being Lou, he was funny as all get out if you just watch him, you know, but uh, but that was just Lou. You know, but uh, it was fun. I mean, uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate what we did. And then as an individual, what I did to get there and all the hard work, and it paid off. I appreciate it a whole lot more. Because so I couldn't want right now with two strikes. No, I couldn't. You know, I don't have the confidence like I did back then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the 1990 postseason, you hit 364. You go on, you score the winning run in the World Series, which it was a very close game, that, that final game there, two to one. You score that in the eighth inning, uh, you know, which was beautiful. I was just wondering, like, what moment in, in that postseason run sticks out the most to you? I mean, was it the Glenn Braggs catch uh, against Pittsburgh or – or was it something else? I think the first home run of the first game, when he hit that home run in the first game of the World Series in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. we were off and running. That sticks mm -hmm. out more. I mean, all those things are great, you know, but individually, yes, my two-strike bunt and, and my scoring a winning run, yes. But as a team, what got us going, was E with that home run. 
it was like a hey let's go and 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 here's the thing that that uh the first day you know first game uh we got out hitting batting practice you know and i have a habit of putting a feather in my hat if i find one you know from a pigeon or whatever and all of a sudden you know the a's come in like you know hey and you know, hey, we saying hi, whatever, you know, just say, hey, what's going on? Da 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 da. All right. So we were through batting practice. We go in the clubhouse, and Tony Perez calls a meeting, <laughs> and uh, he says, "You see them fellas? You know, but he, you know, I'm I'm putting it nicely, okay? Uh, I'm not saying what he said ver verbatim. <laughs> they think they own this. They think they're gonna walk right through us. See how they can walk in here?" See how they see how they are, and and, and we go. Hmm. He said, "This our house," and and that was all he said. He said, "Hey, y'all know what y'all got to do," and that was all was said. And then, boom! Eric hit the home run. Oh, that was all she wrote. We were on a mission, you know. I that was it, you know. And 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 we all we the thing was. We, we knew each other weaknesses and strengths and and we complimented each other on those things you know and um, I don't think I will ever ever um, I'm too old now to be on any team or any corporation that have the camaraderie and 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 just love for one another that we had on that team there because um Brennerman always said this team, and Lou says there was something special about that team, you know, uh, and it was. Well, um, after baseball, uh, you eventually got into coaching. I understand you became the head man for uh, Orange uh, Orangeburg Wilkinson High School yes. baseball team, your your hometown, and then now uh, St. Matthews. Um, mm -hmm. So, what was that experience like? And and did you uh, did you adopt like a, a coaching style from maybe like Buck Rogers or Pinella or somebody else? Or I took a little own? bit from all of them. Tell you the truth, yeah. I'm from the old school. Uh, you guys got to remember. We um, just remember how you played football. All the coaches, you make a mistake, they grab by the face mask, put you, hey, you you know, cussing and fussing, whatever. All right, that's how I was brought up. Even you know, now you can't do that. You can't. You got to. Put your arm around them. You can't raise your voice. You got to stroke them. Um, and I didn't know how to do that. I really didn't. I, I mean, I, I don't give out trophies for participation. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, and, and society has made uh, players, athletes, soft. You know, um, and because they wear their feelings on their sleeves. Um, and and my wife teaches high school, at, at the high school I graduated from. And she sat me down and, and taught and explained to me, this is what you have to do. You can't embarrass them. You got to take them off by yourself and whisper in their ear or whatever. And I go, man, I ain't got enough hours in the day to do all that. You know, I'm on a baseball field. And I holler all the time. Because if, if Joe makes a mistake on the field, and I stopped it, and, you know, because this is what we're doing, and 
I'm on second base and we run in the bases and I got guys playing left, right, and center. I got to say something loud enough so when their turn to come, they will know how how to do it right, you know. Yeah. Um, and I holler all the time. And but I will I will tell kids I will never ever put you on blast because you made a mistake. In practice, I'm gonna get on you, uh, but not on you individually. I'll get on you letting everybody else know what you did wrong. And this is how we correct it. Right, right. But some kids can't handle it. I mean, I've had kids, uh, parents come up to me and say, you know, uh, or the AD, you, you know, you you jumped on a kid. I jumped on a kid. I ain't never jumped on no kid. But see, that's that's how the kid perceives it to be. So they're in a, <laughs> when they go in the real world, they're in trouble. You know, they can't take constructive criticism um, in an organized situation. You know, I, he's, I don't want you to fail. If I wanted you to fail, I wouldn't have said nothing. I didn't say let y'all go practice. I want you to do, I, I, we see more in a kid than, than they see in themselves. But how am I going to get it out of them? You know, in fact, some kids, you, you got the stroke. Some kids, you got to take off to the side. Some kids, you got to put foot in their butt behind. But you got to figure out which ones you got to do those two, you know. And um, I'm learning how to do that because it, it's, it's you know, I, I lose sleep trying to figure out how Joey going to, he keep, case in point, who running the first base? Hit the bag. Whatever foot gets there, hit the bag. You run down, got jump, you know, miss the bag. Boop. All right, y'all. Go back, jog back up for uh, home plate. Boop. Come on now. Hit the bag, whatever foot. Boop. Same guy. Missed the bag. Now I'm about to get pissed off, but something inside is off. So put my arm around him, walk him to home plate. The only way you know you safer out is if you touch the bag. Okay? All right. We go down there again, run down to first. He gets to first base without missing a stride and touch it with his hand. I said, practice is over. He didn't stop. He ran through the bag, but touched it with his hand. Never seen it. They, they aren't athletes. They don't, they don't think. They don't, um, they aren't baseball, you know, they have to learn the game. All right. Uh, it's like on the job job training. I got guys come out and never played in their life. They don't know what hand they throw it. They don't know what glove, what kind of glove to get. You know, when you're in high school, this ain't this ain't where you learn it. You know, when you when you sign up for the chess team, you can put the chess pieces on the board. At least that to the table. You know, when you go out for a team, you can do something to help this team. But when you go to baseball, it's a skills game. You you got to master every part of the game, throwing, hitting, fielding, just every base running. You got to master it. You got to do it over and over and over and over until it becomes habit. But the kids don't want to put the work in. They don't know what it takes. You know, um, all they watch is the finished product. 
which is on TV. And I tell my, I tell all kids, do not watch anything cruel. Watch a good college game, you know, watch a minor league team, you know, G League basketball, you know, where they're hoarding their skills. But, but they, they won't PS5 and, and, and Xbox think that's going to keep them in the game, you know, but no, you know, but, and they'll go pay somebody $2,500 hitting for a month and you don't see nothing as a high school coach. He's, you go like, you paying him what? And I add, and I'm doing it for nothing. And you still ain't doing what I asked you to do. You do. Because uh, there's two words I don't use, analytics and launch angle. I don't use it because they don't know what that is. All right. Somebody, they think launch angle starts that loop swing. No, it starts after I hit the ball down and through and then up. But no, nobody's teaching them that. They say launch angle. So their launch angle starts at the beginning. If you're two foot five and can run a 60 and 6'1, 60 yard dash and 6'2, and, and why are you hitting it in the air? Yeah. Good point. Why? why? And yeah. you can steal a base and you can get on base. Hey, but see, now we're getting into in the stuff that I, me and my cronies, my pro guys that I, we can't, we don't watch Major League Baseball anymore. I don't. Um, because it's not baseball anymore. Uh, piece of boxes on the base path, putting them on second base. People can't bunt, shift on, can't hit the ball the other way. That's not baseball. You got to sacrifice yourself. Everybody wants to be a hero. Everybody wants to hit it out of the ballpark. Not everybody's meant to be a ballpark. Uh, hit the ball, a uh, home run hitter. I hit, two, I hit 19 home runs in my career and all of them were accidents. <laughs> you know, I know one of them in San Diego. I closed my eyes because I thought it was too far inside. I just swung because I had two strikes on me. <laughs> it all accident for me. So, because I knew there are guys that's, you know, they're going to hit them. Okay. But the only way you're going to leave the ballpark is in the car you come in there with. That's it. So, you, you're not utilizing your ability. If you can run fast. If you can steal a base, and you, it only takes one guy to, you know, hey, he pops it up. Okay, all right, here's a fly ball, boop, outfielder carry. He's a, that's a can of corn. That, hey, that's what we do all day. That's what outfielders do. Hit it on the ground, okay, short stop, got to catch it. You got to feel it. Then he's got to make a throw. Okay, that's two people that's got a chance to throw it away or whatever. All right? But you got a better chance than hitting it in the air. You know, I mean, out is an out. But why should I hit a pop unless you hit a you know, line drives or shortstop second base with head? But I know, hey, I got to. I'm gonna get on base because I want my guys behind me to drive me in. Right, right. They don't play the game that way. It's not hardball anymore. How you put a guy on second base with with nobody out and extra inning, and they still don't get nobody in? That's horrible. It's horrible. Yep. And you see the bases. Look at the bases now. Base a pizza box. You know, mm -hmm. what, what? 
see, there, there are two things that you know, they're trying to protect the middle infield. Okay? Nobody's ever taught those guys how to play the game. You play hardball. I got to bring up this double play so my runner score, I, 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 you know, so my guy at first base, you know, batter runner can, can get the first. All right? Nobody's ever taught him to throw that rubber. Hey, you turn the double play wheel, used to throw that, uh, that rubber made big trash can at you. You know, that's what they used to do. So you can you learn how to jump over it or, or whatever you got to do to, you know, to make the throw. But these kids now, oh, they're so soft. Oh, man, as soon as he get close to you, he, he about to, he, he's complaining. Because when I played, I ain't been, you could slide as far as your hand can reach, you know, away from the bag, and you all you do is swipe at the bag. That's all you, and can roll. And can roll. All right? Can't do that now. Can't do that now. The baseball and that bag protects your middle infield. But see, nobody's ever taught them how to do it. I played with a guy by the name of Manny Trillo. All right? Manny, smooth, made you get out because he threw the ball. He scraped his knuckles. So you, hey, you better get out or get out the way. We had, hey, Ozzy would do the same thing. Right. I mean, I got, man, you can get out the way, Cole. Excuse me. Get out the way. Because if you don't, you get hit right between the eyes. But these guys now, they're making it easy for them. I mean, if you, you know, maximum effort with pitchers, you know, 25 pitches, they out the game. You know, how can you, they, that's why they ain't going to help you, you know, 30 game winners. No, you know. I asked all the old, you know, pitchers that you're doing my era. And one, God bless you, they had Tom Brown. And then I said, uh, okay, well, he said, when you are a pitcher, starting pitcher, or, you know, you were instilled, you got to go nine. You got to go nine, whether you do or not. But in the, in your head, I got to go as far as I can. All right. So that was the mentality of starting pitchers. Now, shoot, what do pitchers do now? What do they do now? Yeah, oh, they're looking in the dugout. They, they, they go four world, they, they go three, three or four innings, and, and they're looking in the dugout. Right, yeah. And they're looking in the dugout. They, they, you know, like they're scared, you know, because somebody has sold a bill of goods to Major League Baseball about numbers. Yeah, baseball is about numbers and percentages, but you can't. Numbers don't play. You got to go out there and hey, bunt the ball right here. This might be your fifth place hitter. It's extra inning. He got to get him over. I don't care how you get him over, bunt him or, or hit behind him. I don't care how you do it. You got to do it. Because it's a team sport. It's not a individual. But yeah, absolutely. They, don't absolutely. Do, they, don't, they don't play it like that. So I don't watch it because it's not how you play it. It's not how you play it. You know. Well, well, thank you for this look back at your career, Herman, and for joining us tonight. We really enjoyed having you here. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. I'll remind everybody, hit that like and subscribe button. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks for watching. All right, guys. Take care.